Welcome to our Huntsville City Lifestyle Podcast. My name is Amy Bailey, and I'm your podcast host and publisher of Huntsville City Lifestyle Magazine. In this podcast, we'll tell you the stories of this vibrant city and the people that call it home. Stay connected with us on Instagram at Huntsville City Lifestyle or read all of our publications online at citylifestyle.com. Welcome to the Pop-Up Huntsville Podcast. I'm your podcast host, Amy Bailey, and I am also publisher of Huntsville City Lifestyle, Huntsville's only monthly magazine. And today I am here with the extraordinary Madeline Samlin, who also works with the magazine. Hi, Huntsville. Glad to be here. We are both Huntsville natives, and that is certainly something that drew us to being a part of this magazine. And I think as Huntsville Natives, too, we have just really been in awe of everything happening in the city. So to be in a place where we can tell these stories and highlight our talented, innovative people that make this city what it is. So much talent. I know. And tell stories of places that we hold dear. And, of course, kind of mold the past with the present so that we can have a better understanding of where we are and how unique and beautiful this city is. It's an exciting time to be in Huntsville, right? It really is. I really never thought that I'd be back here. Um, Same. Same. (laughs) And here we are. Here we are. In your beautiful home. It has been the (laughs) most beautiful homecoming. And just in the past five years, the things that have happened – blow my mind. I mean, when I'm downtown and I see all the people walking around and all the things happening, it is hard to wrap my brain because as you know, growing up here, Mm -hmm. downtown was beautiful, Mm -hmm. but there was nothing to do. No, no. I remember roller skating or riding my bike to like Star Market Probst, picking up some candy, maybe do, uh, we, friends would meet at Zesto's. Um, and then I think there was maybe Gorin's. Yes. Gorin's for ice cream, (laughs) which is now, of course, the bottle. Yes. That location. Yes. I think it's so important that the nostalgia remains in downtown. And I think that the city of Huntsville has really done a great job with kind of keeping the integrity of the historic buildings. They really have. And I think it's neat living downtown to be able to have this pedestrian Mm -hmm. lifestyle that you really cannot have anywhere else in Alabama. And I find myself walking to coffee or lunch or dinner all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's neat to see our city so alive again. Yeah, it's a charming little pocket of North Alabama. It almost feels like a secret. It does. You know. A little bit that's gotten out. I know. <laughs> I know. But still kind of a secret. Yeah. Although I do have friends now from Birmingham coming to visit on the weekends, <laughs> which never yeah. I mean, that did not happen five years ago. I know. And now it's every week someone's messaging me to say, Where should we eat? Right. Where should we go? What should we do? Yeah. And so it's really neat that it is a destination beyond the Rocket Center, which was always sort of a destination. Absolutely. But now the downtown itself is a destination. Yeah. And all the things happening around it, Stove House, Mid-City, the, the Orion. music. Gosh, yeah. We have a music scene. 
which is music. <laughs> um, and it's not just Muscle Shoals. We have so much going on right here mm-hmm. musically, too. Yes, we do. Our little arts community is definitely starting to expand and kind of come into their own footing. So that's been fun to see outside of just low mill. So, yeah, lots of growth in Huntsville. (laughs) So we thought with the very first podcast, how do we introduce it? And being a Southern woman and decorating my home at Christmas, it's like my Disney world. (laughs) I thought, well, what better time than the holidays to say, here we are. (laughs) And I think too about just the long line of Southern women that I come from Mm -hmm. and how my mom would decorate and make things so very special. And my grandmother would go and cook all this food for every holiday. And this time of year, it brings up so much nostalgia. And I find myself tearing up at any moment because (laughs) I remember something and then just filled with so much joy. I mean, it is that time of year the happy and sad and the nostalgia that is the true definition of nostalgia right it embodies all those emotions and yes i remember my grandmother just cooking for days on end um days 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 you know? and i think about how my grandmother's feet how must they have felt because i know i mean when i do it at christmas cuz we always host christmas lunch mm-hmm which is another reason I get into decorating at the holidays. But I think my feet hurt so bad at the end of that day. And here she cooked for days and made far more dishes than I make. And that's something so special when you think about it, the Mm -hmm. love that went into all of that. And I do feel like you know, when I was younger, my parents were divorced. And so we had lots of places to go at the holidays. But it was my both my grandmother's houses that Mm -hmm. that was the creme de la creme. You know, Mm -hmm. those were the crowning jewels. Save the the holidays. Yes. And the table was full of so many things. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm going to be so exhausted and so full. And then that dynamic changes mm-hmm. and you realize that was another point of time yeah that you can't go back to i know and i think we try to replicate it i cook things that she cooked but the dynamic has just changed and i think maybe at some point we'll have this big full house again but our celebrations, I feel like they seem so small in comparison to what she was able to put together. And in a way, I see her as the glue sure. of the holidays. Sure. And I would love to be that glue, but I don't know. Maybe it's just simply a different time. I think you might be surprised. <laughs> At least that's what I see. But I feel the same way. My grandmother was a stovetop cook. That's what I, most grandmothers were or are. Everything's on top of those four eyes. And so I remember just being like, Mimi, can you put something in the oven? You've got double ovens. You know, what can go in the oven? So I totally get that component and the house just feeling so full and people coming and going. And, and yes, to your point of my paternal grandmother was 
the big Christmas for me. We, of course, would, would do family mm-hmm. and then we would go to Mimi and Granddaddy's house and cousins would come and that's where, you know, I have eight cousins on that side. So cousins and cousins. <laughs> and cousins and, <laughs> and cousins. cousins. And so, yeah, you know, there is that shift that happens generationally. You know, I hope that we circle back to that at some point. What was your favorite thing that your grandmother would cook? Oh, my gosh, everything. There's not one thing that my grandmother cooked that I turned my nose at. You know, definitely traditional sweet potato casserole with marshmallows on top. Yes. Obviously. Yes. And then my grandfather had a magnificent garden and he, so she would always freeze okra and fry okra. There was always fried okra. So between potatoes and fried okra, (laughs) that's all I really needed. And then her desserts, there were a plenty, like five at any occasion. I I think one Christmas, my grandmother baked like 15 pies. Yes. And it was standard to have at least 10, you yeah. know. <laughs> there were two, That was minimum. Like two sweet potato, <laughs> two chess, two pecan. I think my dad liked the chocolate chess pie. Yeah. So then there were two of those. I mean, she wanted to make everyone their favorite dessert. Yes. Who does that? <laughs> a grandmother. Yeah, a grandmother. That's grandmother's love. Yeah. Yeah. And her sweet potato pie was one of the best things on this planet. And I've tried to replicate it. And maybe I come close, but I don't know. And then my mom was the one. And my mom is a wonderful cook. And my mom always worked as well. So I do remember and how she was able to do this. She was in the retail business, she owned a store called the Magnolia Marketplace. Oh, yeah. And she would work Christmas Eve. You had to mm-hmm. if you were in retail. And so she would work up until Christmas Eve and then come home and she would start cooking for everyone. And I don't remember her complaining. I don't yeah. remember her letting cuss words fly. Yeah. <laughs> like I feel like <laughs> I do. And so that she was able to accomplish all that. It's pretty incredible. And as I said, she was a wonderful cook, but her specialty, I feel like, was decorating. And so she would just do all these little touches, you know, beautiful centerpieces. She would have the table set. I remember as a child so enjoying that part of it Mm -hmm. because she did not use her china every day or silver every day or crystal every day. So she would bring all those things out in those beautiful boxes all wrapped up and we would undo it together and then set the table. And I think that's where my love for doing some of those things comes from, you know, it was treated as this special moment. Mm -hmm. And again, I think people can kind of look at some of these things as trivial, but really they're what makes it kind of special and put just a little bit more love into it and a little extra touch. Yes. One of my favorite memories, my mom was very much the same way. She, you know, over the top added these little touches. She collected antique tin toys. And so every Christmas, you know, she would arrange those 10 toys across the mantle, but just down to um, letters to Santa and kind of dusting the halls with what we like to call reindeer dust and which would just be 
kind of flocking yeah. now. So it very much felt like the elves were actually in our house. I love that. <laughs> um, yeah. So lots of little touches that I hold so dearly. And I can only hope to yeah. imitate one day. I remember stringing popcorn yes. on the string so that could be used as garland. My grandmother liked homemade things very mm-hmm. much. And so doing homemade snowflakes, crocheting, I felt like there was some kind of project every day, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and everything about it just felt like Christmas. Yes. I was just pulling down some quilts. My grandmother was a huge quilter and literally her entire year quilting in her chair. Yeah. And so this time of year, especially every time I pull one of those quilts out to put on our bed, I just, you know, now really fully appreciate how much time went into just picking the pattern, the fabric, piecing and hand stitching all of that hand stitching hand stitching and she would make each one of her grandchildren a quilt for high school graduation college graduation marriages we got each got one for christmas but just times eight you know (laughs) right 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 yeah my grandmother was a quilter too and just that discipline she would have her quilting ring set up yeah and would just go back to it every day at some point. Right. And just the discipline it takes to start something like that and finish it. Yeah. And recently, my aunt told me that in my great-grandmother's old house, which is still standing, there was an actual like quilting rings on the ceiling. Oh, wow. And so this one room, and I never knew this or I don't remember it growing up, but this one room in my great-grandmother's house would be just set up where when she wanted to work on it, she could let the quilt down from the ceiling. Wow. And then when she wasn't working on it, she could. That's pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's aspirational. (laughs) And I think who knows how to do these things. I mean, I know people do, but it just seemed like back then a lot of these things were ingrained. Sure. Yeah, it's a lost art. It was part of life. Mm -hmm. Well, you quilted because you needed warmth. Mm -hmm. So there is that kind of undercurrent of just that generation. that. um, And they told a story, which I think is fascinating, mm -hmm. that all these patterns were used to tell a cathedral window. And yes, yes. Yeah. I know. (laughs) Well, if you look in our December issue, there is so much about Christmas and Christmas decor and homes and recipes. And then also January, which is number 12, has just hit newsstands and it has a lot of New Year resolutions kind of articles. It talks about dry January. It talks about wellness and organization and has some ski travel in there too. So number 12. I'm huge, huge feet. And gosh, what did you learn? 
<laughs> over the course of well, 12 issues. It seems like yesterday and forever at the same time. Right. Like in a way, it seems like there's only been a few issues. And then in, <laughs> on the other hand, it seems like I've been doing this for years. And it has just been such an incredible journey because there are so many stories to tell mm-hmm. and so many things that I think make you just feel really good about where you live. Yeah. And we do, we live in this very unique place where somehow farming and technology combine to yeah. meet. And that has just brought so many different personalities from your kind of Southern Mark Twain-like characters uh-huh. to rocket scientists. And to be in this city where also I think people are really invested in each other and collaborate and try to support each other. Mm -hmm. I think through the pandemic, when the city really started to feel like, wow, there are more people here. Where are these people coming from? There are new things opening up. Because of the size and the growth we were experiencing, we were able to kind of hunker down and support each other. And now we see so many small businesses thriving. And so to be in a position to tell those stories. Mm -hmm. And at first, I remember a mutual friend of ours is who brought this idea to me. We were having coffee. And she said, I have a friend in Birmingham who publishes a magazine Mm -hmm. and the parent company, they want to come to Huntsville. And the person I told them they needed to talk to is Amy Bailey. (gasps) And I remember thinking, why did you do that? I mean, that's what, (laughs) why, why did you do that? You know, I have other things going on. And the more I learned about it, the more I talked to friends about it, it just became very obvious that we deserve this. We need a monthly magazine that tells our stories. And the reception has, of course, been out of this world. People seem so excited about it, so excited to get it in the mail. And I felt like we needed it. But to see the reception that it's received has just been very gratifying, for sure. Yes, I bet. Well, you've done such a beautiful job. And it's absolutely one of my favorite magazines to adorn my kitchen counter or coffee table or both, you know, especially for the art, the artwork. I love um, the art. I, I love know. the art. And it was important. Of course, this is a photo yeah. and some of our covers are photos, but most of them are artwork. And so that was a big part to be able to feature our local artists and get their work out there more for yeah. sure. They're like little collector's editions. Yeah. Well, What a wonderful story. So Um, here's to 2024. Yes. Yes. I know. And 12 more issues. I know. (laughs) Here we go. I looked at my husband a few months in and I said, so this is every month (laughs) because those deadlines come pretty quickly. They do. In fact, we're, as we speak, we're, (laughs) we're working on February and almost finished with that. So my brain has a hard time remembering what month it is. Sometime. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Madeline. Thank you, Amy. This um, has been lovely. It's been fun. Yeah. Yes. I know. I hope you'll have me back. Thank you for listening to this episode of our Huntsville City Lifestyle Podcast. 
Stay connected with us on Instagram at Huntsville City Lifestyle or read more at citylifestyle.com. I hope you enjoyed learning more about our city. See you soon.